heard the Lord say, I'm stirring some things up. I'm just stirring some things up. Why don't you just go ahead and prophesy to your future that God is about to stir some things up. If you have your Bible, let me open it up with just a couple of scriptures tonight before we get into this word. Scriptures tonight, I want to read. There's a lot of scriptures I want to read, but I just chose two scriptures, and we'll put it all together in just a moment. But if you have your Bible in the book of Acts chapter 2, it says in verse number 13, it simply says, Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. And then in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, And verse number 18. And be not drunk with wine, whereas in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And my assignment tonight is simply take a drink. Just take a drink. Matter of fact, just tell your neighbor, tonight we're going to take a drink. You might want to reach over and tell your other neighbor, we're going to take a drink tonight. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Before we get into this word tonight, I am grateful for Pastor Kevin and Devin Wallace. To me, perhaps the greatest pastors in the earth and the greatest church, church is in the earth. And then I'm so grateful for what God has raised up with Pastor Chris and Pastor, uh, Pastor Crystal, uh, the campus pastors here at Cleveland. And what an honor it is to be in Cleveland tonight, what they used to call Mecca. So tonight, you pray for me. Um, I'm on a little bit of a time crunch here. And all I know how to do is just have church. Do I have anybody here to help me have church tonight? I, the way I came up with this word that the Lord just dropped in my spirit, uh, if you're married, you'll understand this, but usually when I come home in the evening and I'm real tired, the, uh, my wife hasn't seen me all day, and I'll be in the bed. I'm about to doze off, and she says, listen to this, and she'll start reading me something. And I tell her, no, I don't need to hear nothing. I'm going to sleep. And she no, no, you got to hear this. And then I'm trying to just go on to sleep. But time she reads me this article, and time she gets talking to me about the Lord and what God's doing, I'm so wound up, I can't go to sleep now. And so the other night, as I was laying in the bed, and she was talking, and I'm listening, she said to me, she was reading all some things going on in the earth, and she simply just said to me, this world needs a miracle. This world really needs a miracle. So this week, the past few weeks, I've been praying, and it's as though the, um, I've been fighting. And the Lord says, you haven't been fighting, but you've been wrestling. Because if I would have been in a fight, somebody would have gotten knocked out. But when you wrestle with something, you get up real close with it, and you wrestle, and you wrestle. And that's where the church is even now. We're wrestling, not with flesh and blood, 
but we're wrestling, and a lot of us are just tired. We're just tired. A lot of people are stressed. So tonight, according to Webster, Mr. Webster, this word, don't be drunk, it simply means, drunk simply means to be overwhelmed, to be intoxicated, to be under the influence. And I know in the past few days, I've seen in the spirit rising up out of the earth with authority. There is the bride of Christ, and God has chosen this church. He's chose you. He's chose me for such a time as this. The beast has been pushed backwards, the Lord showed me. But the beast is coming again. Except this time, the beast is, or is, or has a rider upon it, according to Revelation 17. We're going to get there. Her name is Mystery Babylon. She holds in her hand the cup of abomination and perversion. She loves the blood of preachers and loves the blood of prophets and the fivefold ministry. The Bible calls her the great whore that's riding through America. She doesn't care what God that we serve as long as it's not a man called Jesus. She doesn't really care if you go to church as long as Jesus is not promoted. She doesn't care if you sit in a congregation as long as it's just an entertainment center to make me feel good. But the intoxication she carries with the blood she hates, churches about Jesus and pastors. And Satan wants to drain the very life out of the body called the church where it can't simply function no longer. Coming to church but not really wanting to be at church. And yet I've seen many of us in the spirit realm. Yet many are praying in the spirit. And many aren't even knowing what they're praying for. But the, the Lord showed me in the spirit that the spirit of intercession is being raised up in such an hour as we live. So I begin to write some things down. And I believe revival is about to break loose. I don't think we just planted a church up in Bradley County just to have some good attendance. But I believe God is birthing something in the spirit. And I believe revival is coming to Cleveland, Tennessee. What the Lord showed me, he said, just speak my word and none other. Then move out of the way and watch what I do. He simply said, I'm about to sound the alarm. There is something that's about to break. There's a new profound of freedom and there's something about to be simply stirred up among my people. Because we're living now in a time where they simply call it transposting in America. A time when boys can become girls and girls can become boys. I listened to the news today and they said there's a new generation that's raising up Generation L, which stands for a generation that's lost, a generation that's lonely. They're looking for love in all the wrong places. The suicide rate is out of control. Depression rate is higher than it's ever been. There's more connection to the internet than there is to church house. You're connecting to bullying and people that are in disorder. And yet many of the people are walking up and, and they're having problems and, and stress levels of not simply wanting to live. Oh, I feel my help are coming. The heavy blanket of evil seems to be resting upon the whole land. The God of lies have become enthroned in the national's heart. 
Society has reached the point of the last stage of corruption. The wicked are strutting around on every side, and we all live in a day when evil has reached a new level, a day of passion, evangelistic fervor, but no foundation. The spirit of addiction is loose in the earth. Addiction, there's nothing no more easier than getting addicted. All you've got to do is just follow what feels good to your flesh. And what you don't say no to today, you'll have to be delivered from it tomorrow. The agenda that has been released has caused America's youth to be on a collision course with reality. Over 400 people a day are overdosing on fentanyl in America. There's a dilemma in America. There's trouble across the whole world. Racism and the spirit of hate is in the culture. The fashion industry presents our 16-year-old girls with a two-year-old skirt and her baby sister's sweater and says, this is the style, you need to wear this. While the parents are sitting in the corner biting their nails as if they have no opinion, but simply to conform and simply can't claim, you can't claim ignorance forever. But God wants to bring a revival. God wants to bring an old-fashioned, I used to say it, what kind of church have I stepped into tonight? An old-fashioned, devil-chasing, sin-killing, fire-burning, Holy Ghost, church of Almighty God. So tonight God has sent me here to provoke you unto some good works. He has anointed me to help push you off the edge because some of you are living right on the edge. And God's anointed me tonight to simply push you on off the edge. There is a deep cry unto deep. Do you simply want to touch tonight or do we want a move of God tonight? Do we want a little bit or do we want a lot? There are a lot of churches, especially in Cleveland across the land. A lot of them are no longer having altar calls. We're going to get there. There's a time of no prayer and no power. We don't need to talk to nobody about hell or sin a non-threatening environment. Don't simply make me uncomfortable with a a message about hell or heaven. A spectator event where there's no commitment that is ever required. But years ago, we had these things called mom and pop businesses. But now we no longer have little stores. Now we have Walmart, a popular place in the world who sells cheap products. And if we're not careful, we will settle for the cheap version of the truth of the gospel that our forefathers preached at the cost of their own life. If we ignore the truth, destruction will come. We're one generation away from losing what we once had. And I don't know what you want tonight, but I want it back. I want a church where I know there's healing taking place. I want a place where addicts are getting free. I want a place where salvation is still real and the old things are passed away and and all things become new. I want a place where restoration, the spirit of restoration, has anybody ever lost anything? And God said, I'm about to loose restoration in the land. I want a church tonight when I I heard the worship. I want a place where the spirit of God's moving and the Holy Ghost of God is free to move.
I want the word of the power of God. I won't, don't want just a little dab of do me, but I want to go to a church where the power of God is and I can bring people that nobody wants because when God gets a hold of people that nobody wants, oh my God, they can turn the world upside down. I want a church where I can take my children to and, and take my grandchildren to, to where they know what the power of God is and where the spirit of David can break loose in the church and dancing can happen in the church. See, I've learned some things. You, you can't love wrong and die right. You can't enter in faithful when you're unfaithful. The pressure is on. A generation that screams to us from every media outlet. There's pressure on dad that's caught up in the rat race called life. A dad I spoke to said, I'm just bored with life. I'm fighting traffic, bumper to bumper, and my nerves are on edge. There's a pressure on a working mom, working to keep my head above the water, pressed into the mold. I'm dealing with depression. I feel like I'm stressed to the max. Pressure is on every one of us. Pressure's on the housewife. I'm in the same old, same old thing day in and day out. I'm frustrated. I'm bored. I got to take a pill to go to bed. I got to take a pill, a pill to get up from the bed. There's pressure on young people. They want to be accepted. They want to be loved. They want to be admired by friends to fit in. The fashion of the day calls to this generation. And if you want to talk about the pressure on ministries and ministers, they're appalled today like no other time. They're pulled in thousands and thousands of different directions. Then there's pressure on senior adults. They get to the end of the road. There's nothing left for them but a corner and a little old rocking chair for them to sit back and relax. Yet in the midst of it all, Jesus simply spoke and said, let not your heart be troubled. The disciples are under the pressure. Jesus tells them that he's leaving. They can't put it all together. We've, had, we've walked with this man called Jesus for 33 years. Jesus is under the pressure. He's at his last meal. His hour has come. Peter's going to deny him. Judas is going to betray him. Thomas is going to doubt him. Yet Jesus looks beyond all of his pressure and all of his stress. He looks at his disciples. He simply says to them, I'm leaving. Where I'm going, you cannot come. But I do want you to know I am the truth. I'm the way and I am the life. And you can go to the Father if you go through me. I'm going to send you somebody called the comforter. I'm leaving. I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you somebody to guide you, somebody to help you, somebody to teach you all things, somebody to bring all things back to your remembrance, which brings us now. He, he dies on a cross. He resurrects on the third day. On then to go to the book of Acts chapter 1, the disciples are standing on the shores of Galilee, and he simply said, Why are you standing looking into heaven? This same Jesus, you see, go away, will come again. In like manner. Mm. He said, don't do nothing. Don't do nothing until you be endued with power. Why are you standing just looking into heaven? Which now brings you to Acts chapter 2. 
When the day of Pentecost was fully come, I feel this. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one mind and one accord. Then the Bible says this, that all of a sudden the Spirit of God fell in the earth. How do we know that Jesus made it back to his Father? He said, when I get back to my Father, I'm going to send you back a comforter. He's going to walk with you. He's going to be with you. And when Jesus sat down beside his Father on the right hand, suddenly in Acts chapter 2, the wind began to blow and it filled the house where they were all sitting. That's the kind of church I want to be in where the Spirit of God can come and sit down right here with me. He, and then you go down to verse 15. He chose a man named Peter. You know Peter. Peter's the one who walked on the wall. Water. Oh my God. Peter's the one who said, I've got a revelation. You are to Christ, the Son of the living God. You got to be careful messing with Peter because if you start messing with his God, he'll cut somebody. And all of a sudden, Jesus raises from the dead on the third day. And he tells Mary and Martha, He says, Mary, Martha, you go tell my disciples and Peter to meet me over in Jerusalem. He didn't mention nobody else's name. God loves messed up folk. All of a sudden, on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 verse 15 said, Peter, standing up with the other 11, he said, these are not drunk like you think they are. He said, this was what was prophesied by the prophet Joel, that in the last day, saith God, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Anybody got any children in the house? He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your son and your daughters are going to prophesy. Old men are going to have dreams. Young men are going to have vision. And women, all the women handmaidens of the Lord, they're going to begin to prophesy over their house. God said, I'm going to do something. Peter said it like this. He said, they're not drunk like you think. He wasn't saying they're not drunk. He was saying they're not drunk like you think they are. When we get in a service like this, it reminds me of a little story I heard of a man sitting on a bar stool and he's drinking a bottle of wine. He's drinking a bottle of wine. He's done drank two bottles of wine. He orders another bottle of wine and he knocks the bottle of wine off and busts it on the floor. As, he, as the man sits there, he's watching the wine. It's, it's on an old tile floor. It's found the grout line in the floor, and the wine is going down the grout line, about to go into the drain. Right before the wine went into the drain, there was a mouse that came up out of the drain. The mouse looked and saw the wine coming his way. The mouse stood up on his back legs. The, the wine went off in the mouse's mouth, and a few minutes later, the mouse was all swelled up, drunk, that mouse was. He walked over to the man's table and he said, where is that cat at? And what does all that mean? When you get in a good Holy Ghost service like we are in tonight, what you got to do, you got to open up your mouth and say, God, I don't want just a little bit. God, I want you to fill me with the power of God. I don't want just a little bit. Lord, I want that old time power 
power of intoxication to when you go back home, you can say, where's that devil at that's been fighting my children? Where's that devil at that's been fighting my family? Where's that devil at been messing with my mind? And the only way you can do it is not by your might or by your power, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord. Well, we got to have more today than ever before. We need the old-fashioned intoxication of the power of God to where the Bible says there's some things that are following you. Signs and wonders shall follow you all the days of your life. When I walked in tonight, you didn't even know it, but I brought some stuff with me. Mercy, come on, goodness, come on. They're following me around. How in the world have you made it this far? That car wreck should have killed you. That surgery should have went bad, but goodness and mercy has kept you all the days of your life. That's the reason we come tonight to tell you the best is yet to come. Reach over and smack your neighbor and tell them you don't know who you're sitting beside tonight. Woo! We've got, the first thing is, is have intoxication of the power of God. We've got to get full, full of the power of God. God's not going to pour more oil in for us to waste more oil. When God gives me more, he wants me to do more with it. Aren't you sick and tired of just calling? Aren't you just sick and tired of just coming to church and going through the motions of church, raising my hand a little bit, clap your hands a little bit? No, no, no. I'm talking about when you come to church and it's the best time of the week and you can't wait to get in church and God, let me sit beside somebody that's sick. Let me sit beside somebody that's depressed. Why? Because when I was a little boy up in Cleveland, Tennessee, way out, out in a Torchestui, we used to go to the Methodist church and at the Methodist church I was a little bitty boy like this and that little woman beside me she her little hammer would go in the air like this I was just a little fella I remember looking at that little woman and her hand went like this I thought what in the world is going on with that woman's hand in the air like this and I'm just a little fella and I'm watching her. But it wasn't but just a few minutes. It kept on singing a song. The preacher got to singing. The next thing you know, something. Something got in that little woman's hand. Her hand started shaking. I thought, my God, something. He's got a hold of this woman. A few minutes later, she wasn't sitting still. She was jerking a little bit. I thought, my God, this woman is going to have a seizure. This woman, something wrong with this woman. It wasn't, but just a few minutes later, she was standing up, jumping around, and bobby pins were flying everywhere. See, I know what it's like to be in services where the power of God is. I know what it's like when people are bound up by drugs and alcohol. I've seen the drug addict delivered in one prayer. I've seen the crippled walk in one time of prayer. I've seen the lame see. I've seen the dead raise. How does it all gonna happen? It will happen when the church gets intoxicated with the power of Almighty God. I don't want a little bit, but I want a whole bunch. Oh my God. Moses said, Lord, I, I can't talk. And he simply went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Ah. 
Now, when God told Moses, Moses, I'm coming down there. Acts chapter 3. Uh, Exodus chapter 3. Moses, I'm coming down there to set my people free from the taskmaster and the slave driver. I am coming down there. The next verse says, Moses, you go tell Pharaoh, let the people go. Now, if I would have been Moses, I would have said, now, God, you said you were coming down here. God never come down there. Watch this. As Moses went, God come down. That's why I get excited about redemption to the nation. Because it's not just a church that just comes. It's a church that's going. It's a church that's reaching the whole community. The whole nations of the earth. And Moses, Elijah said one time, Lord, give me a double portion. David said, you come to me with a spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. John the Baptist said, there's coming one after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. The disciples are on the way to Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus. He said, did not our heart burn? How long has it been since you had heartburn that rollage didn't calm down? And tagging it ain't calmed it down. I'm talking about your heart's burning. I'm mindful one time there was a lady at a well that said, I don't want the water I'm drinking. Give me the water that you got. And the Bible says when she partasted of the water that Jesus gave her, something happened inside of her. And the Bible says she went running down the street screaming, you've got to come and you've got to see this man who told me everything about me. Tell your neighbor, just take a drink. Mm. See, I've, I've learned something, and I'm not going to go there, but I've learned a lot of things from people that get drunk. <laughs> Drunks like a talk a lot. <laughs> if the people of God could get drunk in the power of God, you know what? Let the redeemed of the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord. <laughs> Let them say so. Has God been good? Has God healed anybody? Has God delivered anybody? Has God heard your prayer? Has God raised you up, pulled you out of the miry clay and put your feet upon a rock? Has God heard your cry? Has he seen your tears in the midnight hour? See, a drunk is always right on the binge. If things are going bad, they'll say, I've had a bad day, man. Come on. Let's go get drunk. And if things are going good, come on, man. Let's go celebrate and get drunk. The church could learn something from that. If it's going good, I'm going to serve the Lord. But if things are going bad... Me and my house, we're still going to serve the Lord. It don't matter if it's going good or if it's going bad because I've read enough in the Bible where it says, and I know that all things are working together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. Mm. Hallelujah. Intoxication. Let me 
deliver a few points here. Intoxication. There's some things that happen when the church gets full of the power of God, intoxicated. Matter of fact, let me put it like this. If the world can put something in the corner of a baggie to make you go home and steal your mama's TV off the wall and sell it for $50, how much more can the God that we serve put inside you? I ain't got no help in here. Listen to this. When the church gets intoxicated, there's things that will happen. That's Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 3 says this. There's a man at the gate called Beautiful. He's lame. Been laying at the front door of the church for years. And nobody bothered him. And all of a sudden, Peter and John come out of the upper room, out of being filled with the power of God. They come out of the upper room, and the man walks up to him and says, give me some alms. I need some money. And Peter and John said, I don't have no money. We don't have no money, but what we got, what did they have? They just came out of Acts chapter 2, and they were endued with the power of the Holy Ghost of God, and they were intoxicated. And he simply said to the man in Acts chapter 3, he said, we don't have no money but that which we have. See, you can't give somebody something you don't have. You can't give somebody joy if you don't have no joy. So the Bible tells me that if the church can get full of the power of God, then that's intoxication. But what does intoxication simply activate in the body of Christ? Here's point one. Intoxication releases the spirit of restoration. Anybody ever lost anything? Let me give you a verse. Joel 2.28 says this. God said, I'm going to restore the years. Y'all going to make me come down there, aren't you? See, he said, I'm going to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. I'm going to restore the years that the palmer worm and the canker worm. What is that? It's a baby locust. Something that's always eating at you. Something gnawing at you. Have you ever overcome something and then a few months later you're going through the same thing again? I come to tell you tonight, tonight's a dead end street for that thing you had to deal with over and over and over again in the name of Jesus. So tonight, intoxication, it releases something in your life. Restoration. See, restoration is one of them things that you speak things that are not as though they are. See, I remember back a number of years ago when my son was out drinking a little bit. And I told him, I said, uh, if you ever start drinking, remember this. You can't drink one. And he said to me, what does that mean? I said, you won't be able to drink one. What does that mean? And later as he kept going, he understood what he couldn't drink one. Somebody asked me one time, do you not trust your children? Well, it's not that I don't trust my children, but I read a medical journal where inside of my son and inside of my daughter, there are 29 chromosomes that came from me that's in my children. That means it's not that I don't trust my children. I don't trust the devil that used to be in me. So I wear a size 11, 11 shoe or so. My son wears a 13 size shoe. So one day he was home and he never knew it. I don't think until this day he was taking a shower, getting ready to go out and do his thing. 
Well, I was walking around and I saw them big old size 13 size shoe sitting in his bedroom. I took my shoe off. I poured a little bit of oil in his shoe. I put my foot in his shoe and I walked around in his bedroom and I said, the man that wears these shoes right here are gonna be blessed of the Lord. The man that wears these shoes are gonna know the word of the Lord. The man that walks in these shoes ain't gonna become no alcoholic. See, sometimes you gotta do some crazy stuff that don't make no sense. But to what the devil meant for evil, God can turn it all around and make it all for good. Intoxication brought restoration. Ah. Watch this. Now we go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, they say something like this. You're going to have to stop teaching and preaching about this man called Jesus because uh, you're causing too much trouble. And they said, we can't help it. We can't help ourselves. We've got to tell you what we've seen and what we have heard about this man called Jesus. Now, I wonder what somebody would have to say tonight if we just passed the microphone around in this congregation and said, just tell us how good God has been. It'd make your liver quiver. Because of all the stories that you would hear inside. And you think, oh my God, I didn't realize you went through that. I didn't realize. But people that get saved today, the greatest thing that anyone can do in life is give their life to Jesus and have life and life more abundantly. The second thing is, is God, I'm hungry. And God, I'm thirsty. And God, I want to get full of the power of God. And when you walk in somewhere, you don't have to announce that I'm a Christian. All you got to do is... It just walk in the room, just smile, and let Jesus shine forth out of your life. Intoxication brought restoration. Here's the third one, determination. We're living in a time where people come to church and give their life to on Sunday, and sometimes you don't ever see them again. Because to live for God today, it will take a made-up mind and a spirit of determination. I'm going to live this way. I'm not turning back no longer. Intoxication brought restoration, determination. And then the Bible says it like this. Acts 4.13 says, They took knowledge of Peter and John. They were ignorant and unlearned men. But they could tell they had been with a man called Jesus. If a woman walked in here tonight and she was eight months pregnant, all of us would look and say, she'd been with somebody. Come on, somebody. I don't know who she'd been with, but she'd been with somebody. That's the way it should, that's the way it should be when the church. When we walk in somewhere, people will say, he don't look the same. He don't act the same. She don't even look the same. Something's happened to them. Remember in the story all through the Bible where Jesus healed people? The blind and all these people are healed. And he said, they said, man, we want to go with you. And what did Jesus say? You can't go with me. And he said this, don't tell nobody. I thought about that. Why would Jesus tell people, don't tell nobody? There's a lot of people that have told mama, told mama all, told members of the families that's prayed for them, hey, 
I went to church, gave my life to the Lord. I went to rehab. I went through this program. I've really learned my lesson. And the parents and people will look at you and go, uh-huh, yeah. Why? Because they've heard it so much, they don't believe you. So instead of telling everybody of what you're doing, don't tell nobody what you're doing. Just show everybody what you're doing. Just walk upright. The Bible says that God will withhold no good thing from you if you walk upright. A simple message, intoxication. Matter of fact, we preached this, Brother David, the other night in Bradley County Jail. Had over 30 men that got saved. Last Thursday and last Friday night. Wow, be nice. Just be nice. Could it be? Could it be that tonight on the 29th of March, could it be that the spirit of deliverance is accelerating? You can ask this question in any church in America this coming Sunday morning. You can say this to any church in America. Church, we're going to have a special prayer this morning. If you know somebody's on drugs and alcohol, I want you to lift your hand, and we're going to pray for them. And you know what? The the majority of that church will go. Raise their hand because we all know somebody. But what would happen if the church could get intoxicated with the power, with the power of God, When my son couldn't hear and my daughter at four years old turned around and said, Jesus, let his ears don't hurt no more. And God healed my son and he's 38 years old and never been back to the doctor. When my daughter's leg was crippled and had to wear a metal brace on her leg and walk funny. And one night in church when prayer, God somehow or another, we took the brace off and we were just crazy enough to believe that God could heal my daughter. The doctor said, I don't think, I don't know what we can do, but I know somebody. Just like a while back when I was in the jail over in Chattanooga and a girl walked up to me and she said, sir, are you a lawyer? Are you a lawyer? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And the Spirit of the Lord quickened me. He said, you just lied to that woman. He said, no, you didn't. You're the representative of the Most High in all the land. I said, yes, ma'am, I am. Do you know somebody? I do know somebody. Do you know somebody that can help me? I do know somebody that can help you. When can he come? He's here right now. She got looking around. My God, if the church, I want to see the power of God. I want revival. Not just a two or three day week revival. I want to live the lifestyle of revival. Or when I'm down at the when I'm down at the Walmart and you're down at the Walmart after this service tonight, I pray I run into some of y'all among the frozen peas and you got and you and you got a staggering spirit. And I look and I'm thinking, oh my God, what's wrong with that woman? She acts like she's drunk over among the frozen peas. Ma'am, are you okay? Are you okay? Yes, sir, I'm okay. I haven't been I haven't been the same since I was RTTN in Cleveland the other night. There was some crazy man preaching about intoxication. And it won't only happen at church. If it only happens at church, it's just a church thing. But when it happens at Walmart and you can lay your hand on somebody at the mall and you can do. Could it be the spirit of deliverance is being released? 
Do you know anybody that needs delivered? Lift your hand. Oh, my God. Look, all over this house. Let's receive it. Deliverance. Just speak it. Deliverance is coming to my house. Deliverance is coming to my house. Could it be that there's that God's people have been praying and they've been fasting and God's on the very verge of birthing a massive move of the Spirit called revival? Could it be that God has seen your tears in the midnight hour? Could it be that someone is about to give birth to a miracle that you didn't even know that you were carrying? Could it be tonight that strongholds are being pulled down in the name of Jesus? Could it be that breakthrough is on the way? Could it be that we are the people of God, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, coming to a city near you? Woo! Hallelujah. This don't just happen in church. It happens at Walmart. Ask my wife. She says, can you go over there? Walking down the aisle, the detergent aisle. Joy. Unspeakable and full of glory. Gets the stain out that others leave behind. By now she's going. It's like a while back. Let me see if I could close this up. It's like a while back. See, God will just show up. I'm, I'm following my wife around in Walmart. You know, husbands, how you do. You don't really need nothing. You're just like just following your wife around, you know. And she'll say, "Will you go, just go over to the car department. Look at the, the armor all in wax. Just go there and look around. I go, I don't need nothing. Well, you need to go do something. Just call me in a little bit. So I'm walking around, and there's a little man. There's a little man, and he's got to hold his granddaughter's arm, and he's feeble, and he's barely moving. And the Lord said, you need to say something to that man. God, what am I going to say to this man? I don't know this man. So I just kept on following my wife. And a few minutes later, I thought, I need to go find that man. It's bothering me. I didn't say, I don't even know what to say, but I was supposed to say something to that man. So sure enough, now I'm looking for this man. Oh, there he is down there on that aisle. So when I went down the aisle, I didn't know what I was going to say, but when I walked up to the man and said to him, Sir, the Lord wants me to, to tell you something. When I said that, it just dropped in my spirit what to tell him. I didn't know what to tell him until I walked up and told him, I need to tell you, the Lord wants me to tell you something. He got, his eyes got a little bigger. I said, sir, all I need to tell you is this, not yet. And this little man, he had his head down like this. And I looked at the concrete, and I could see tears dripping on the concrete. And I stood there. seemed like five minutes. It was probably 30 seconds. He looked at me, and he said, Sir, I've been preaching 70 years. Early this morning, when I got out of the bed, 
I told the Lord this morning, God, if you don't talk to me today, I'm not going to preach no more, and I'm going to quit. And he said, and you just walked up to me and told me, not yet. Right then, I felt that power of God, man. I felt the power of God come right in the detergent aisle of Walmart. And that little man, he got to quivering like this, and I got jumping like this. I noticed down at the far end of this end, somebody rounded the curve to come down the aisle, but when they seen it, they turned and went back this way. And when I looked at that, and there was people coming this way, and they, went, they turned and went back out that way. I thought, everybody don't want this. But there's a handful, and there is a remnant of God. Stand with me all over the house tonight. There is a remnant of God on a Wednesday night. I want it. Do you think that we have arrived and achieved at all that God has for us? There is a lot more to this than where we are. And I know it's Wednesday night. The songs that have been sung, the words that have been spoken about healing, about freedom, about whatever your need perhaps is in this house tonight. Let me say this. A preacher told me a few days ago, he said this to me. He said, well, preacher, you know God ain't moving like he used to. And I'm listening. He said, yeah, we don't see miracles like we used to. But can I announce to you tonight that where you're sitting at, there's a miracle right there. If you don't know Jesus tonight, what an awesome night to just say, Lord, I want you more than anything. I need you, Lord, more than anything. And if you know Jesus tonight, why don't we take just a moment before we leave this house tonight. And I've heard this word in the atmosphere all night. I'm hungry. There's a hunger among God's people. Why don't we take just a moment, and however it is that you speak to the Lord, and let's just cry out for God for just a few minutes.